From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 390. Today's show is brought to you by Memberful, New Relic, and Doppler. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Doing great, Mike Hurley. How are you? Very well, my friend. Very well, Good. indeed. I have a hashtag Snell Talk question for you, as I always do. And this one comes from Nathan. And Nathan wants to know, Jason, what do you use for your profile picture on macOS? Oh, Nathan. Um... I have auto login set up. <laughs> so it does, is this the thing that comes up when you have to put in your password? Is that what this is? Yeah, you for see your a user? icon, right? Or if you go to, what is it, system, send system preferences. And then oh, well, users. I have a, and, and yeah, so it's, I, I have, it's, it's actually the same picture that I have on Twitter. It is, at least on my iMac, it is uh, an illustration of me, a uh, profile uh, that was, done for all the speakers at the Ool conference one year Mm -hmm. and I liked it and I put it as my Twitter pick and it still is and it's also my picture for login purposes on my iMac. That's it. I have a question. Uh-huh. See, this is one of those things. We just say, like, sometimes people ask us lots. We get lots of great ask upgrade questions and Snell talk questions. But sometimes these questions are like, why doesn't Apple X? Like a thing we could never answer, right? Right. So, so a lot of the times, m- most of my, our answers would be, I don't know. So, like, I don't put them in the show, but they are legitimately good questions, but we just have no answer for them. But here's one of them where it's like, in system preferences, there is a picture for me, right? Which is my yes. Apple ID picture. But that's right. not the same picture as my user picture. And when you try to select your user picture, you're not given that one as a suggestion. You have to add it again. And it's just kind of like, why? Oh. why do we have multiple photos, but none of them talk to each other? Well, yeah, and it really wants me to use a Memoji. Big time. Big time. Like, it's an entire category of the user image selection part. And I, I hate I hate Memojis. I'm not, I'm, I, not, I'm not into it, no. I don't like the art style. Um, the the uh, Lex, who did the, um, the Ricky's website. Yeah added emojis for me and John Voorhees and James Thompson for mm-hmm. reasons. And um, I think it's legitimately the best emoji of me that he did a better job than I have done. Uh, it's the same for everybody. Lex did a better job for everyone. Your internal idea of who, what you look like versus the the idea of someone else about who you are, that's like a way better picture. Mm-hmm. That does a, does a way better job. But I don't want a emoji as my... Apple ID icon. You're, you're right about the login thing. What I find funny is that my login um, user image for my laptop is something totally different because they don't have it together to get those mm-hmm. things all to be connected. The thing that, like Memoji, it's, it's always remained a frustration for me, and I just can't understand why they haven't found a way to do it, which is like, why can't it just be like emoji? Like my emoji just can be my face which is what we always thought they were adding in the first place right so like right. i could send you what is actually an emoji but it's actually me like all of this stuff is is would be doable if they wanted to do it but they just didn't do it and they didn't want to do it right you know. right i just checked on my laptop i have a photo of me which i know what happened there it's actually a photo of me from wwdc that john gruber took and the right. reason that it's my photo there is that i had to go to the user because I got tired of looking at like a, a baseball, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I <laughs> chose 
uh, I chose I chose edit, and then it's like okay, now you got to pick a file, and I search for Jason as and image, and I tried to find one that was a picture of me, and I put it in there, and and then I've left it, and it's just it's dumb. But but uh, on my on my iMac, it's the it's the Twitter illustration of me. The images that they have, the default images, are really weird, right? So we've got like a bunch of flowers, like there's a rose, a dandelion, uh-huh. sunflower, another sunflower. Then there's like a gingerbread cookie, the yin yang, a lipstick kiss, fortune cookie, some yeah. equations on a chalkboard. On a, a chalkboard, yeah. A number one, like a medal, then a li- lightning strike. I think that's like fruit of some kind, and then a globe, and a snowflake, some like uh, like sand, I guess. Ripple, like a, sand ripples, yeah. Like a, in a zen garden. In a zen thing. garden. Mm-hmm. A leaf, a sand dollar, is that what that's called? I try accidentally yeah, I just selected so. as my own. That's fun oh, for no. me. Uh, br- <laughs> eggs like bl- in a blue nest. Blue eggs, blue eggs, right? Like uh-huh. are they robin's eggs. Some bowling pins, a dartboard, tennis ball, a football, soccer ball, and then a baseball, baseball, a basketball, like, yeah. a basketball with a weird looking texture. Uh, yes. Then uh, American football, a yep. eight ball from pool table, hockey, but like the hockey puck and the stick, which is the stick out of context with the rest of them because it's just the circular parts. Well, so was the American football because the whole idea here is it's cute because it's a round icon, and then they get the American football and they're like, mm, yeah, it's on grass. Okay, is that a violin or a cello? Violin? Uh, oh, golf ball. Let's oh, not golf, ball, the golf ball, violin. Yep. An LP, like a record, piano yeah. keys, a guitar, drums, yeah. uh, an, an owl, owl. <laughs> a zebra, an eagle, a parrot, and a penguin. That's like, yep. one, that selection is madness. It's bananas. Right, like it's just madness. And two, <laughs> it's never changed. Like for as long no. as I've been using the Mac, that's the selection. No. And I don't know why they hang on to it. I uh, so I have a server, right? I have my Mac Mini server. Uh-huh. I whenever I, I, I it generally comes up when I'm upgrading or I'm in a dialogue or something. But occasionally I am prompted to have to change that, right? Like I, I did an upgrade or I did a restore or something like that, and I I, I always change change it to random things. <laughs> and so I'm looking through here, and it's like a history of my server. It's like oh, water on a leaf. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was water on a leaf on the server for a while. Mm, gingerbread man oh gingerbread man good times good times i don't yeah it's it's super strange um i guess they decided people like balls so they would like do a lot of balls and people like music so they would do a bunch of musical things and birds and a zebra (laughs) (laughs) why is it everything you know the usual birds owl (laughs) eagle parrot penguin zebra bird sure Someone just got very confused. If you would like to send in a Snow Talk question for us to open the an episode of Upgrade, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Snow Talk or use question mark Snow Talk in the Relay FM members Discord. Uh, some follow up items for you. Uh, we Jason joined me on stream last Friday and we modified his uh, Keychron keyboard that we'd built together previously. Uh, there is a stream uh, like archive of this available on YouTube. Uh, I will put a link to that in the show notes. If you want to watch it, it's there. If you want to see, uh, we basically stuffed Jason's keyboard full of packing materials and then it uh-huh. sounded a lot better. Yeah, the screams of teddy bears, mm-hmm. but it, it sounds, are, they're very quiet. Yep. Um, and that's going to be coming to me, right? Yeah, it's Shipping being that. packaged up and it will be sent out to you probably that's this right. week. And we'll probably do, uh, hopefully, another stream where I, uh, I receive it, it mm-hmm. and we put it together. That'll be fun. 
Uh, Dan Moran of Six Colors uh, put together a podcast note workflow like yours that we spoke about last week, but built in shortcuts. Oh, okay. So first off, it's a great idea, and I, I, it, I'm kicking myself not to think about it, and I think this is really an instructive point, which is... I so I've been spending a lot of time writing scripts in Python and then this came up and I had to get like the 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 creation date of a file in the finder and all of that and I thought okay well I'll just go to apple script and that was my problem because I need to start thinking about doing it in shortcuts not mm-hmm. in apple script because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's actually much more accessible and you don't have to know all the stupid finder scripting that you have to know for apple scripts and it and it's very actually quite easy to do the same thing in shortcuts. And so Dan did a great job of doing it. And then, um, and, and he, there's a link to it on six colors, but also what was funny is when he posted it, he and I had gone back and forth about the best way to format the time, because in the end, what you get out is, uh, you're trying to find the difference between the current time and the time you start a recording. So, which is the creation date of the file. And you can do math on dates in shortcuts and you get a result. That's basically, uh, the number of seconds, between the two, which is great, but like number of seconds is not a great thing to put in your show notes. You want hour, minute, second in your in your in your notes you're taking about your podcast. So Dan and I went back and forth on like what's the most efficient way in shortcuts to do it? Because in a scripting language, there's a you can do a one liner in in Python or in just shell scripting. You can do a one liner and format the number of seconds as hour, minute, second. And in shortcuts you can't. It, it uh, So he did one method where he went to Python and I was like, I think I can do it in shortcuts, but I had to add like 10 steps where it did all the division and all of that. And then he figured out a way to do it using, there's a, there's a calculate action, uh, do calculation basically in shortcuts that you can, you can, uh, you can do some stuff that Dan got it down much closer because you can do things like floor, which is basically give me the result of this division without the remainder and then, you know, there's also the command that lets you do just the remainder. And and so he was able to do math and get it down to fewer steps, um, which as an aside, by the way, boy, shortcuts needs to be better documented by Apple because they have that calculation uh, action and it is incredibly powerful, but you need to know how to use it. And there's a get info box in shortcuts hmm. that uh, for each item and you click it and it says, you can use this to do a calculation. It's like, guys it's not good enough you gotta you gotta actually document these things it would be it would be a real help to people who use shortcuts if you would actually document the how how all the actions work Mm -hmm. so anyway we post the story great thing happened which is we had three different readers come up with three completely different ways to get it to be even shorter oh good um in ways that show you how I mean, it's this thing about how computer programmers think, like uh, they don't think like the rest of us, but in a, in a kind of a brilliant, hilarious way. My favorite one that got it down, there were two that actually got it down um, to uh, like two steps fewer than Dan's. But the one that made me really laugh is there's a way in shortcuts to say to take a date uh, like the, that, um, that modified date and say, give me um, the give me the date and time at the beginning of this day. So it basically de- takes, you can take like December 3rd at 1.22 p.m. and it, it will come back with December 3rd at midnight, right? It just the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. And then you add the seconds to it. And now you've got December 3rd at, uh, you know, 2.18 a.m. Mm-hmm. 
but if you f- you shortcuts to format that as a time, you get to 18 and number of seconds, which is the timestamp you want. And it's referring to a, an actual time during the day. But if you format it as the time of your thing, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter that it's a date because all you really want to do is get the time out of it. It's so ingenious and also at the same time dumb because there ought to be a better way to format times and shortcuts than, than it. But it was, it was a fun little thing. And, and not only did it, it teach me that there are a, like 10 different ways to do something in shortcuts. Um, and the reason we went with something inside shortcuts instead of going out to a shell script or something like that is mostly because, I mean, theoretically it means it works on the iPad. Um, I also just like the idea that it's portable in that way. I, I sent you a different macro last week uh-huh. and it didn't work for a while because it was like using scripting stuff that's not installed in Mac OS and other stuff is deprecated. And it's like, if you can stay inside shortcuts, it will just work, yep. but you've got to do some extra work. And major tip of the hat to Dan, which is I really need to start thinking about, can I do this in shortcuts before I ever go to some other thing for a Mac utility? Because shortcuts means it's probably, if you can figure it out, it could be simpler. And it means that you can hand that out to anybody and they can just run it in a way that AppleScript is a little more complicated. So that was a fun little incident that happened, uh, especially the one-upsmanship of everybody trying to find a different way to solve the problem. Well, I guess luckily for you, the person who thought to write it for shortcuts also publishes on your website. Yes. You know? It's perfect. Pretty Synergy. Helpful. We just, uh, yeah, we were talking about it and Dan was like, should I, should I post this? And I said, Dan, any work you do that's in any way related to computers or things we've written about on, on Six Colors, you should plumb those for posts. That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's how I live my life. It's like, oh, I did a thing. Let's write about it. You also uh, did the the Jason Snell special, which is mm-hmm. taking oh, a yes. topic we spoke about and then thinking about it some more and then writing an article about it. Uh, and you did that for the iMac versus external display decision. And you wrote a really nice article about that on Six Colors. So if you're interested in that discussion from uh, Ask Upgrade last week and you want more of Jason's thoughts on it, then there's a great article for you to go read. Yeah, I thought that was a really great topic and it emerged from an Ask Upgrade question and I didn't want to just leave it as that. I thought that would probably work as a post. So I, I went and found the post. I think it's going to be something we will come back to Oh boy, a lot over the next six to nine months, I think. so. And if you listen to our discussion last time, you'll see that my feelings have evolved a little bit in the story and that's just the difference between talking about it off the cuff and Mm -hmm. thinking about it when writing an article and you're right I think my feeling will involve more because the end of that story is basically like look I can tell you what I I would do today (laughs) but uh, if you told me that I'm gonna you come from the future and say I actually did the other thing I'd be like yeah okay I can see that like I'm not super baked into this the one thing that I think I, I really when I went through the thought process that came back to me is that same idea which is if you want to live the one Mac life because the truth is having two Macs and getting them out of sync like we talked about is kind of stinks if you can if you can do it with one mac the those macbook pros are amazing if you don't need more power than than a macbook pro and apple comes out with an external display like that's pretty good right to not have a laptop and a desktop and have to go back and forth between them it's it's pretty good assuming that display is good um, you're going to put more money in up front, but you're only going to need the one computer instead of if you have a desktop and a laptop. And I just, I, I'm reminded every time I travel with my MacBook Air now that 
uh, of what it was like before I lived the kind of one computer life when I had a MacBook Air as my primary back in the IDG days. Um, and now with the, the iMac Pro, which is you open it up and you're like, oh, yeah, this version of software is old and I got to reauthorize this and I got to run this update and this file isn't here. Is it on Dropbox or is it on my hard drive at home? And it, it's a lot easier when you just have a computer and it's with you all the time. So that was the, that was my big uh, lesson there is it makes me think that it's possible, depending on timing, that what I might choose to do is get a MacBook Pro and an external display. I probably won't. But again, if you came back and told me that's what I decided, I would not think it was ridiculous be like there are lots of options out there and thank you to listener kieran who who uh who wrote in about this i i i I ran out and got kieran's tweet and put it Mm -hmm. in the article which was uh which was fun the morning show has been renewed for its third season um apple tv plus (laughs) i'll get around to watching season two sometime (laughs) it's really good (laughs) season two is really good it's better than season one uh they've got some changeover in showrunner uh charlotte stout is going to be the showrunner. This is part of a multi-year overall deal that Stout has done with Apple. So now, uh, Carrie Aaron, who was the showrunner previously, is going to be a consultant for season three whilst developing new projects for their ah. Apple deal as well. So they're making Instead some change. Instead of grinding over. on a third season, that's probably yeah. good to keep it fresh. Keep it fresh, yeah. And so, but but also still involved, right? So hopefully we'll continue to keep its tone. Um so yeah, I'm really excited because I I think that in season two, the show really worked out what it is, and so now I'm very excited with the hope that they're going into season three, understanding that that like the biggest benefit that this show can actually have is if it actually mirrors the real world and the time frame mm-hmm. that it's in. Like in season one, it kind of accidentally did it. And then in season two, they really lent into it. And so I hope for season three, they create the show with that in mind and don't feel the need to completely rewrite the show right. again. Right? Charles Stats credits are um, Fosse Verdon, House of Cards, Homeland. Uh, she's worked as a producer on all of those and that's as a writer. Pretty, especially for this show. That's a right. pretty great track record for this I think show. That's, what you're looking at that's for like credits there. the pocket of what the morning show is all about. I think yeah. so. I'm pretty sense. pumped for it, I, I, I'm, and I'm really pleased that they've done it. Uh, Apple is requiring that retail and corporate employees must submit proof of receiving their COVID vaccine and booster, or face frequent testing. Uh, Apple have still not chosen to follow along with some tech companies in requiring vaccination for their employees. But they are now uh, just because I think previously they had if you don't get vaccinated, you got to get tested a bunch. And now they're saying if you don't get boosted, you got to get tested a bunch. I remain really surprised that they are not requiring vaccination, at least at a corporate level. So this just, you know, I keep seeing headlines about this and I'm like, oh, there it is. Oh, no, wait, that's not it. So. That this is just another of those situations where they're doing something, but I don't think they're doing enough. Yeah. Well, well, it, there are so many different ways that the ongoing pandemic could go that it'll be interesting to watch that. I threw an item in here mm-hmm. just to mention, because I want to just get everybody's head thinking about this. Uh, there was a New York Times article uh, yesterday about how there are some more COVID lockdowns happening in 
China, mm-hmm. and it's all speculative, and it's sort of very much a we'll see what this does. But the idea there is that it that may lead to another ripple of supply chain issues down the road, right? Because sometimes yeah. these things are immediate, and sometimes they it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, like yeah. because really we didn't hit supply chain stuff until now and that's coming from the 2020 yeah beginning of this you know so i i I just say keep an eye on the the supply chain there may be ongoing issues with supply chain stuff um and i'm interested in seeing apple's results are late next week i'm interested to see if uh, they make any statements about sort of the state of the supply chain, either during their statements or during their Q and A. They have to, right? I mean, You're because right, yeah. And, and maybe they'll give, they'll say, "We're looking good," or they may say, "Well, we're concerned about this thing over here and not that thing." And that's actually the kind of thing that you can get out of an Apple results call that is informative, right? They're not. <laughs> it's like, tell me what uh, an AR visor says. What Tim? Tim would be like, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> but if you if you say, "Tim, supply chain, what's going on?" I think that's the kind of thing where they actually will disclose. Um, what something about how they're feeling because that has to do with what analysts want to know and investors want to know, which is kind of long-term issues affecting the business. And mm-hmm. it's something that really is inside baseball in another sense where it's not about an Apple product or anything like that. It's just about like, how are you weathering this? And I'm looking forward to what they uh, will say because it is a really complex thing and it's affecting different company, companies differently. And this article made me raise an eyebrow basically and say, oh boy, you know, here, here's another wrinkle. Here's another thing that may add more churn into the, mm-hmm. into the already kind of um, messy situation with the supply chain. I mean, like this was the quarter where, you know, they, their pre-guidance was like, hey, we know we're not going to sell what we want to sell. Like it's right. kind of as simple as that. Yeah. This is the holiday quarter? This is the holiday quarter. So it should be the big one. In the- Like, you know, as history has gone, this should have been, in theory, the biggest they, quarter of the year. They have said it will, it will be probably their biggest quarter of all time, even though they're going to not sell as many things as they thought they were going to sell because of the supply chain. So we'll see. That's that's next week. I think that's a week from Thursday. Yeah. Um and so obviously then we will talk about it on the January 31st. Yep. episode of mm-hmm. Upgrade. Which I'm always excited about. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web to help you generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. Maybe the your business's financial situation has changed over the past couple of years. And now you might need a proven solution that is quick to launch so you can stabilize your business and help it grow. Memberful handles the hard stuff so you can focus on what you do best while earning revenue quickly while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, brand, and membership. Memberful has everything you need to run a membership program. It includes an optimized checkout, Apple Pay, easy member management, dashboard analytics, free trials, gift subscriptions, and so much more. And Memberful seamlessly integrates with the tools that you're already using, including lots of fully managed integrations with popular services like WordPress, MailChimp, Discord, and tons more. This is one of the easy things for us with Memberful. Like when, you know, when we were looking at relaunching our membership program, we could see like they had a Discord integration, so it's super easy to manage. And they we were able to just 
write everything in a way that integrated with some services that we were already using. And then over time, they've just added more stuff so we don't need to use external services. Like they have their paid, uh, or like their newsletter thing, I should say, which, you know, you can have a paid newsletter now, I've been before, but we have uh, a newsletter as part of our membership program and we can just send those out. So like we had to have an external provider previously, now we just do it with Memberful. So you don't need to connect with third party email provider, which also saves us money in the long run because we were already on one of their, uh, they, they have a pro and premium plan. I don't remember exactly which one we're on. Stephen handles that part. But if there's no additional fee, if you're on one of those plans, we were already on it. So we ended up saving money because we could remove the newsletter provider that we were on. So it's super awesome. We love Memberful here. You know, they are a wonderful company to work with. They have really helped us have more confidence in the business over the last couple of years. And we also get to deliver more great content to our most engaged listeners. So I think it's awesome. So get started for free at memberful.com slash upgrade with no credit card required. That's memberful.com slash upgrade. Go there now, check it out, and see what it could do for your business. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. Rumor Roundup, Jason. Oh, rumor. I love a rumor roundup. Love and again, thank roundup. you to a friend of the show, Mark Gurman, for um, dropping all of his juiciest rumors on Sundays so mm-hmm. that Upgrade is uh, Not fresh. just Mark today, though. We're, we're going to spread know, out a little bit. We're going to start a with a lot. the well-known Apple rumor publication, the New York Post. Ah, of course. <laughs> Classic. The New York Post is saying that Apple is said to be in serious talks to acquire some of the broadcast rights to Major League Baseball for Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, I'll read a quote from 9to5Mac. Exact details of the deal were not disclosed. However, the sports package believed to be on the table is weekday national games that were previously owned by ESPN. Right. So the idea here is the way baseball works, and I know you and I have talked about how baseball works in the past. They open mm-hmm. the gate, they roll the balls in. That's how it happens. That's how it um, happens. Uh, the ESPN has had a package where they basically show games to their entire national ESPN audience that are, um, if you're in a local market, you see your local team's games. But these are national games. So they are uh, showing games, if you're if you're in a different market and you don't have like the MLB TV package or something like that, it's your opportunity to see games from other cities and, and games that, you know, maybe your team isn't playing and there's another baseball game on. So it's not exactly an earth-shattering kind of package, but it does provide some content. Uh, I would say it's it's about on the level as the Amazon deal with the NFL, where they're where they've been. This is actually changing and it's it's getting improved. But Amazon's had a deal for a while where they're basically like simulcasting the same game that's on the NFL network. Um, so it's not like super exclusive. But it's interesting, and I think that this makes sense in a way, because we've been talking for a while about how Apple has been investing in this idea of doing live sports as one of its things. I wonder if this, we, we talked about like what would be the next Apple subscription service. I wonder if this is not Apple TV+, Plus, but is bundled in and is also available as a separate like Apple Sports 
kind of subscription mm-hmm. at some point. I don't know. Let's see what their plan is. But even if they just roll it into Apple TV Plus, um, this is a start, right? And it might actually help get their get their uh, their feet wet, get their toes wet on on doing this thing. Where because you know live streaming infrastructure is different. You've got to serve everybody immediately, and the demand is almost is essentially a hundred percent at one moment whereas anything you do on streaming you put it on a cdn people watch it whenever and uh demand is smoothed out over time live sports it's all at once and so it's it's very very different um and this is a yeah this is not a an earth-shattering thing this is not like the playoffs are going to be on apple tv plus that's not where you want to start though right for that exact reason you just mentioned you don't want the biggest most popular sports as your first thing because you're going to get in trouble Right, and this lets them say, you know, and lets them promote in their app, um, you know, the the Reds are playing the Diamondbacks on Tuesday night at at six o'clock, and you know you can watch it for free on Apple TV Plus, and and that's regardless of if you have cable, and it's regardless of if you have um, ESPN or 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 your local sports channel, it's just on Apple TV Plus for you to watch, and uh, that's that's fascinating to me. So we'll see. I also wonder about. Uh, and this is similar to Amazon. Will they have somebody produce it for them, or will they have like an Apple TV Plus crew? I don't know how that ESPN package works, and whether they built their own broadcast or whether they sort of reared the local. I think they built their own broadcast for that, so there might potentially need to be like Apple TV baseball announcers and stuff, which is kind of wild to think about. Uh, Apple I could hiring imagine them doing announcers. it similarly to how they've done before. Where the first thing someone does it for them, and then they bring in their own team right. afterwards. They, they they might hire somebody to do it. I mean, the way baseball is configured, you have um you have a feed coming out of the stadium, so that would be something that would be produced in the stadium by the local mm-hmm. uh local crews. But um what Amazon ended up doing was doing their own play by play and analyst yep. on top of that, and and that could be produced. You know, MLB actually has its own media arm. They could produce it if they wanted to for Apple. And that's all, probably all part of the deal. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, again, this is just the start. And Apple is going to be um, playing in sports at least a little bit. They may decide it's not for them. But right now they're in exploratory uh, time and they are going to make some deals, I think. Yeah, this aligns with a report from an investment firm called Wedbush that says Apple is on an aggressive hunt for live sports content. So it seems like if there is a deal being done right now, they are at the table trying to make that deal. Mac Otakara is reporting that a new iPad Air is set to be unveiled this spring. It would feature an A15 Bionic center stage, 5G, and the same overall design. Uh, not surprising at all, other than to say, yep, yeah, that uh, that the iPad Air needs to get on sync with like the Mini, and, uh, and the I think the thing here iPad. is just to say this, uh, yeah, and say this spring is when they're mm-hmm. going to do that. And they're going to bring it up to speed, A15, center stage, 5G, all the things that were missing because the iPad Air, remember, was ahead of the game, but now it's been a little while, so this t- makes perfect no, sense. Or no, it was ahead of the game. Yeah. When now, it was released, it was ahead of the game. Yeah. Now it's behind the game. Uh-huh. Yes, the game has left it behind. The game is over on Apple game. TV Plus now, apparently. The game has left the station, I think. is the Yeah, they rolled the balls back out and mm-hmm. closed the door. Friends of the show, Mark Gurman is reporting that <laughs> Apple is. is considering delaying the announcement of its uh, mixed reality headset by at least a few mm. months. This is from Bloomberg. The headset was targeted for an unveiling at WWDC in June, followed by a release later in the year. 
but development challenges related to overheating, cameras, and software have made it harder to stay on track. This delay would see a late 2022 announcement with product release in 23. Prior reporting from German suggested that this product was originally scheduled to be announced in 2021, so this would be the second major delay that this yeah. product line would see. I I told you the maxim that we came up with on liftoff, which is whenever anything is late in the year, that means it's going to be next year. And mm-hmm. here we are <laughs> with the late in the year. Um, also, I, my my initial reaction to this was, oh, I know what all the developers will be doing over their holiday next year, this year, uh, is they're going to have an, uh, an announced an announced VR product that isn't shipping yet. So they'll be putting in all of their work um, in, in, in late in the year and early in the following year. So it might be a year out before they ship this thing. But I, I think what German is saying, at least right now, is that they're still going to do what you, I think, um, have suggested is probably the most likely scenario, which is they'll do an event maybe in August, maybe in October or maybe even as part of the iPhone event, mm-hmm. uh, which I think they might do because all eyes on that event, even though it would be, you know, the Apple Watch was launched at an iPhone event, for example. So they might do that. But like they're going to do that fall, late summer or fall event. But in this scenario, probably not ship it until early the next year. Yeah, one of the things that Mark mentions is like this was similar uh, from what he was hearing with the original Apple Watch that the product kept getting pushed. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like this is the second time that Apple's tried to introduce a new category and is struggling to get it over the finish line. It's hard. It's It's hard, right? Like, it's hard. It's hard to put out a new product and you have to balance all those things, too. Like, is this something that's good enough to ship? Do we need to fix this? Because they want that first product to be viable, Mm -hmm. right? They don't want that. Like, say what you will about the original Apple Watch. One shot, the first impression. Yeah, exactly. And the original Apple Watch, as limited and primitive as it seems now, it did work right and that that's a, a judgment call of like uh, you know can can we ship yeah. this is and it this demoed good enough well, to ship right it demoed well and and th- that's an important part of the whole thing when we all saw it for the first time it was like well this looks cool and they got to do that again i mean my personal read on this is similar to what i've been saying as you mentioned for months now you know maybe it isn't exactly where it would want to be and they can't announce it the way that they would want to which i think is in person event they don't know when they're going to be able to do that. Let's right. just take more time on it. Mm, could be too. Like, I mean, once you're on the treadmill, for lack of a better metaphor, um, and you've the product's out there and you're releasing updates, like you can't, you're on it. Mm-hmm. That product's live. Now you're iterating. This is the one time in a product's life where you can just say, we got time. Yeah. <laughs> like, just wait, wait for it. We, we don't have to rush this because once we ship, once we announce, really, like the clock starts ticking. Yep. So if we need to take our time so that we don't stumble out of the gate, now is the time to do that. So that's I, I think it's I think it's fine. I'm not really surprised. Um, everything has slipped. Right. Like we've seen all sorts of things slip often for availability reasons. You've got a brand new product. It's obviously shooting to be a very high-end product with lots of technology packed into it. If, if, if this was a lesser product, it would be easier to ship, but they are setting the bar pretty high for themselves. So I'm not surprised, but I, I still, at this point, uh, um, 
I feel like based on what Mark is reporting that this is probably an announced fall product. Um, and they may even say that it'll be shipping by the end of the year, but it, de- it definitely feels like it's not going to be shipping for the holidays and in quantity until next year. So on the, um, like the, 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 the hardware, the components, the price, uh, German, uh, says that he expects the headset to be priced above $2,000 due to the high end components being used. We'd heard previously 3000, um, I reckon it's probably going to be between two and three. I just don't know how yeah. they could do higher. I mean, because even $2,000 is astronomical, right? For- well, think about that this is, uh, what he says is um, M1 Pro level performance because they need the GPUs. Mm-hmm. And it, it's got the two, what, 8K panels. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that product not twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars? No, like, I, I understand, but this is like one of those things where it's like it's as expensive as you decide to make. You know, like they've made the decision; it didn't naturally grow this well, way. You know, like this is, and I know why you would go to this level, but like I don't. Uh, for me, with the price thing, I'm kind of putting it to the back of my mind until I try and get a sense of what their strategy is. Because if their strategy is we make a $2,500 headset, we're Apple, hello, this is what we do. It's not a great strategy, ultimately, right? And we can believe that the strategy is, as we've expected, and as has been rumored and pontificated on many times, that, like, this is the first one, so they can, you know, get some enthusiasts in the mix and get some developers in the mix and, like, you know, try and work it out and bring the price down. And honestly, at this point, ship it after the holidays when they might even have another version available for the next holiday season, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, just don't, like, this is not for everybody. I think, though, this goes back to me saying that they set the bar for themselves very high. Like, this is, is, I think, what Apple is doing here, which is we're not going to ship an Oculus Quest 2. We're not going to do it. We have standards, (laughs) is probably what they're saying. And, like... If if we can't do it with this level of GPU performance and this quality of uh, display in the thing, it's not even worth being a product. And it, that will set the price much higher. They could have made a cheaper product. But it does allow them to go on stage. Presumably, we'll see what their competitors do in the next year. But it allows them to go on stage and plausibly say, this is the single best VR experience anybody has ever made. And I think that's what they're shooting for. I think they want to come out and say, you've seen the rest now, see the best. This is the best VR thing ever. It's got uh, M1 Pro power. It's got dual 8K display. It is the closest thing to reality that you can possibly find. Um, and it, it it's going to blow everything else out of the market. And whether that's true or not remains to be seen, but I think that's what they're going well, for. Whether that's true or not by the time they announce it is the you know, well, that's that's what I mean about their competitors, right? Yeah. Like we know that that Meta is working on a Quest follow up, that is probably going to be the Quest Pro, but I think it's Project Cambria. That's the name of it at the moment. Yeah, but whether it might not even be Quest, uh, I it honestly I would expect it will have a different um, a different name because Oculus had different product names depending on where it sat in the market before, and now right, and this is a high end thing, so they may want to d- retire Quest. We'll see, yeah. but that's coming, right? And that may be. That's the the risk of it slipping here is that is that Apple 
I think, is staking out the high ground and saying we have the best experience. But by the time they ship this thing, that may be a harder argument to make. We'll see. And I would expect from a strategy decision, because I think they were already doing it anyway, Meta will be willing to take a loss on the hardware in a way that Apple, I don't think, would. And that's where then the the price and specs right. could all start getting jumbled up because of the time that it takes them to get the product out there. Because sure. this is, you know, I think more important to Meta's overall strategy. They changed the name of the company, right? Like, right. because of this. So, like, if they can get it in under a certain price point and take a loss on it, but they're banking on all of the games that they own to sell well, you know, like, it's... This is basically taking the Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo model, right? When all these consoles are released, they lose money at the beginning, but they make it up later and they also make it up on the games that they make, right? So maybe Facebook Meta could take that route where Apple right. could also, but won't, <laughs> right? My, yeah. my, guess, my guess is that the Project Cambria uh, Quest follow-on will be like keep in mind the oculus quest is what 300 bucks like so i think that they're probably shooting for like a thousand dollar headset that is much better than the quest Mm -hmm. um and you think about like the quest is priced like a console but a thousand dollar headset isn't is not priced like a console it's a totally different thing i think that's what they're shooting for and that that's going to give apple an interesting position to be way more expensive and presumably have way better technology in it um, again, the the argument is going to be that Meta's got a better platform with an existing app store for VR, and Apple's going to have to build that, although they've got their huge existing iOS app store. It's just an, an interesting way to go. I think in the long run, those, pro- those companies are going to get more in sync with their products. Mm-hmm. But um, from this perspective, before those products exist, I think it's fascinating to see if what their different approaches are and one of them may prove to be more successful than the other in the short term and it might be different in the long term but i agree in the in the sense that what meta is going to do will probably be a very different approach than what apple is doing and it may be successful because i'm when you think about the quest being three hundred dollars um a two thousand dollar apple headset's like what like what are you doing and yet if you think about the specs I, I think they could justify it. I think the question is, does anybody care enough about having the best VR experience ever or not? And that, that comes down to execution for Apple, right? Yep. And and what is Meta's execution? And is it so good that it it is, the difference between what they're doing and Apple is doing is kind of not that much, and yet the price is so much more? And that's what that's a threat to Apple. And it's also worth remembering that PlayStation will be in the mix. But then anyway, and the PSVR2's um, uh, hardware is amazing. I I don't remember if we talked about it on this show, but like the specs that they've given. We haven't. 4K HDR, 110 degree field of view with foveated rendering. This is where... Is it it wireless now? It would be one USB-C cable to the PlayStation 5. Well, that's better than Much the better ridiculous than what, yes, than the set of boxes and yeah. cables that, yeah. <laughs> that the because I, I have the PSVR and I like it, but yeah. I, honestly, I haven't played it since I got the Quest because it's because clunky, it, super clunky. Oh, it's so it's so clunky. Yeah, and also, I mean, I mean, the Apple's is probably not going to be wireless, right? I don't. Oh, think. Apple's will be wireless. Yeah, you think it will be? Mm. All no, right, maybe it's entire, entirely self-contained. 
Okay, yeah. cool. Well, anyway, the, the the foveated rendering, which is where it's using eye tracking to just render what's in front of you. This is we've spoken about this of like this is something Apple probably do. Uh, OLED display, um, ninety to one twenty hertz, inside out tracking, so it no longer needs a camera, um, and they've have new really cool looking controllers uh that like right. you know kind of similar to oculus like controllers exactly instead of my old psvr mm-hmm. i because I, I didn't use the little magic wand sony things mm-hmm. um and so i ended up playing all my psvr stuff with uh just the ps3 controller or ps4 controller i guess um which was fine it was fine yeah but yeah. um I, I i will say this about sony um their their software is better because they're a platform. They're a gaming platform. They're going to have the best... They're probably going to... Mm, they're going to have the best games. They may have the best games. It's going to be between them and Meta, really, depending on yeah what Sony's able to put out there. But Can I just... My experience with the PS4... PR, the PSVR, my uh-huh. favorite thing about it was the Astrobot Rescue game. I love that game so much. They'll make a huge version of that now. So that, that game, though, is so successful. I, I have to say, and I don't know if there are any rumors. I assume there aren't any rumors about this, and I assume they're going to be eight years behind. But the, what the Astrobot Rescue game, when I think about it, I'm like, can you imagine Nintendo VR? Can you imagine? If they, yeah, it would be great. Because Astrobot is very Nintendo-like. Yeah. And I love it so much. But, you know, it's Nintendo, so they'll be... You know, the, the, I mean, the Nintendo headset will be here in 2030. It will right? come out in 2030, and it will be 1080p, right? Like, you know, because uh-huh. that's just what they do. But the games will be the best games yeah. if they do it. I mean, Nintendo are fine, right? <laughs> you know, Nintendo totally good. They're just going to keep riding that Switch train. They're good. You know that Nintendo works at a very different speed. But yes, from a game quality perspective, uh, it'd be amazing. I want to talk about alternate apps, alternative app store. Uh, payment stuff. Oh, yeah. You have a little update. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this was a story that I feel like I could have blinked and missed it. But it is a story that, without all of the hubbub of the last six months, is monumental. But it kind of was just like, I think we're so jaded about this discussion now yeah. that it kind of just went by. So Apple has finally confirmed they will comply with the South Korean law for allowing alternate payment methods in the App Store. Now, they're going to basically do exactly what Google did. Um, Apple just waited. They saw what Google did. They're going to copy it. They're going to allow for developers to submit a specific build of their applications for South Korea that will uh, give users a choice of how they would like to pay in-app but Apple will still be expecting to take a commission. They are calling it a reduced service charge. Now, all of this at the moment has basically just come from a set of uh, quotes given to uh, the Korea Herald. That's basically as much as happened. It was like, oh, okay, super interesting. I want to see where this goes. Then, a couple of days later... Apple announced that this will also apply to dating apps in the Netherlands <laughs> due to another legal case there. So we have more details now for this one. I'm not sure why they give they gave the details now. Maybe it's like the date at which it has to be implemented was sooner. But 
Apple's going to be creating a special entitlement that developers of uh, dating applications will apply for. This is similar to like CarPlay. So if you want to be a CarPlay app, you want your app to work in CarPlay, you have to like apply to Apple and they confirm that you are the right kind of app for a CarPlay app. Uh, If you're approved for this uh, special entitlement for dating apps, they will be able to inter- developers will be able to integrate this functionality into another Netherlands specific app release. So yes. we're going to have something called Store Kit External Purchase Entitlement, which I think that makes sense, right? This is the ability for you to have the external linking, like the Korea thing. There's also going to be something called Store Kit External Link Entitlement. I think it's fair to expect that the link entitlement is what's going to also be used to appease the Japanese Fair Trade Commission ruling, which is the first one of all of these. Undoubtedly, yeah. In this instance, at least, when, when talking about the apps, dating apps in the Netherlands, Apple will still be requiring some kind of commission no matter which you choose. Now, this is intriguing, right? Because... I don't remember anything from the Japanese Fair Trading Commission thing where Apple was saying, hey, we're still going to make you pay us. Like, that was never spoken about. We all just kind of assumed you'll just be sent out if you're a reader app and you can just go do the thing. But Apple will still want some kind of commission, but also are going to say, like, they're not going to help customers with any kind of refunds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What we don't know yet is how much, how it may differ between these two entitlements, if at all, what are they doing? I think we have now seen our the Apple strategy. I I texted you when these things were going on, and I said, "This I feel like we we discussed this scenario exactly, and that there's actually nothing surprising here." Apple is has remember they said, "Well, we need time." When the 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 U.S. ruling was being appealed, they're like, "We need time. We need time." Clearly, they are now building these two entitlements for StoreKit that they will allow certain apps to do the external link or allow certain apps to do the external purchase. And you can now see Apple strategy, which is they are going to build very specific rules about when you can use this. So they're going to limit this to where they have to make it available. They're going to, and I know we talked about this a few months ago, they are going to make it as painful as possible to implement, which is, I was laughing when I saw that the um, the Netherlands dating app will have to be a separate binary with a separate app store ID. Yep. You're not going to be able to do this per region. Uh, you're going to have to say, here is the Netherlands version of our app that lets you use this external service. Match.com could end up with four versions of their app because they will, get, they will do it in the Netherlands. They will do it in South Korea because why not? And then Japan, yeah. right? Possibly, possibly. Depends on what their rules are, but it sounds like it's it's possible uh-huh. that that'll be the way. In it theory, is. you know, you can see where see, you can see what I'm going for with that. At least. Yeah. So they're not going to make it easy for you. This and this is where it comes uh, the 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 dramatic vision of like Epic and people like that about freedom from Apple's tyranny is hitting reality which is where they're winning cases and where the regulators are putting pressure on Apple. It's all about options for other payment methods or options for links. And so Apple is going to abide. They have a plan. They are going to abide by the letter of the law. 
but they're not going to repent, right? They're going to do as little as possible and make it as difficult as possible because Apple wants control and Apple wants money. And so you can see it here that if you believed that by going to an external credit card provider, you were going to be free of Apple's uh, tax on you, Apple has made it clear that that's not the case. Google has made this clear to Play Store developers that it's not the case. That as platform owners, they feel they have the right to charge users of their platform for access to their platform. Mm -hmm. and And so the way they're spinning the percentage that they take is now, now, Although I could argue that you saw this from the beginning with the App Store because Steve Jobs talked a lot about how like we handle we build you the APIs and we're running the App Store and we handle the bandwidth and we take care of all that stuff and in exchange and we're going to grant you for free apps we're just going to give it to you that's great but if you pay we want to take our percentage. And so now what they're both saying is look if you want to avoid that that's okay avoid the credit card charges, but you're not going to avoid being on our platform and paying us a fee for being present and making money on our platform. That's, you know, if you want to separate those two, that's fine, but we're still going to charge you. So uh, presumably these entitlements will include a requirement that they, they announce to Apple in some way, what the size of the transaction is. Apple will probably bill them for uh, Apple's percentage of them. And Uh, and so anybody who's gonna who thought that they were going to escape paying Apple money by using an external credit card provider is going to discover that they won't. They're still going to have to pay Apple. In fact, depending on how it goes and how bold Apple wants to be, it may be the same or worse to use an external provider. Uh, you know, my guess is that in order to keep these regulators at bay a little bit, it will be a little bit better. And and what Apple the the argument Apple will make to developers is okay, you can do it this way. It will be worse for your users, and you're really not going to make much more money. You decide. And figuring that most people will be like, it's not worth it for me. Yeah. And 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 where does this all end up? It ends up with this, which is unless a government or a regulator body, regulatory body of some kind is willing to say that the owners of software platforms cannot legally charge for access to the platform. In some way, Apple and Google will continue to take their cut. Yeah. And that the challenge there is that, and I think that's coming, that conversation is coming, but it, that's a tougher argument to make, right? Because you're basically saying every platform that exists has to be wide open and that the constructors of the platform have to give everything away for free. And the risk there is, depending on how that stuff is is. Uh, written and how that that rule is organized, you may end up in a situation where what ends up happening is to become an Apple developer, you're going to have to pay a lot more money, Uh, right? Like to have a a class of app that is allowed to charge money, you have to pay Apple a large amount of money. Like, and and again, the risk there is that you're going to end up in a situation where you basically say platform owners can't charge for access to their platforms at all. That's a big step because that's basically saying, your your compensation for making a platform for developers is nothing you can't do it and that would be that would be a huge change across all platforms i'm not saying that it it might not happen or that it might not be an interesting wrinkle but um what apple and google are doing here is saying you know basically you're going to have to go that far if you want our money 
Can you believe, like, or can you imagine thinking this is the right way to go about this? Like, you sat down with all of the options and you come to the decision that this is the way you want to go? Like, I cannot fathom this. It's the same thing that we, we've talked about before, which is I, I can understand the mindset from Apple's perspective because Apple's very much shown we want our money. Like, we want our money. It's part of Apple's culture. Apple didn't become the most profitable, uh, valuable company in the world uh, by not taking its money. But also part of it is the Steve Jobs instituted kind of cultural thing, which is uh, everybody owes us for how great we are. And anybody who's touching our platforms owes us. And so we want our money because our great, your, your great product is actually because of our greatness. And like that is just a, a thing that has been instituted and the success of the App Store reinforced it and it still is there. So I can understand them thinking that. The part that you and I have talked about before that kind of blows me away is what I just said about what, what they're doing is challenging governments and regulators to make it impossible for platform owners to monetize their platforms in any way, right? Like that's, they're like, okay, we'll give, we'll do this, but we're still going to take our cut and we're going to keep taking our cut until you make it illegal for us to take a cut on our platforms, which is a really like they're raising the bet there. And I look at it and I think, yeah, but what if they take the bet? It could be catastrophic to your business. If, if you're barred further, where, where you might get them off your case, if you eased up a little bit and you'd still make a lot of money, but the downside is that you're going to lose everything and the quality of your platform is going to go down and like all of these, all of this downside. And I, I'm fascinated by what those arguments must be like inside of Apple and whether they have a plan of like, well, if this becomes a problem, we have a, a solution, but somebody decided to say, rather than kind of backing off of this all the way to a point where we think we can escape and not have to do more and give up a little bit of revenue, but really we escape from this whole situation. Somebody inside Apple was like, nope, <laughs> we'll take the bet. We'll, we'll dare them mm. to chase us, you know, chase that revenue somewhere else, because that's essentially the move they chose to make, right? Which is we're going to risk our platform, our app store by doing the minimum possible to comply, not realizing that the forces that are out there are probably not going to be quieted by Apple doing the minimum. I don't want to tip my hand for our next topic too much, but like, I believe that a company can and should have competitive advantages, right? Like it's a part of doing business and doing business well. Like you work out what's best for you and you capitalize on that. But I just think the app store's gone way too far. I just think, you know, like it, just from a fundamental level, right? We can we pick apart this stuff as much as we want, but just from a fundamental level, like I think the thing that kicked all of this off is like Spotify, right? Apple compete directly with Spotify yeah. and set the terms at which Spotify is allowed to compete backwards. That is not fair. Right. Like, it just isn't fair. There's no fairness to this. Like, I think that this one is a better example than Epic, than anyone else. Like, I think Spotify is the best example of this because <laughs> they make the same product in the same business. And Apple can let themselves make more money because they make Spotify give some of their money to them. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's one of the weaknesses that clearly the lawyers have probably written down, which is, well, one place where we might be weak is we may be barred from 
enforcing these rules in areas where we compete. And then we're going to have to have a conversation about our video streaming service and our music service and our fitness service and all of those, because all of those services where we have an advantage by being the platform owner and having to dictate terms to everybody who is not us. Um, the risk there is that at the very least, we may be forced to comply for those categories. And I would say, I agree with you. I would say, that's probably right, right? Like when Apple, oh, like the reason right. why, why can't you buy books from Amazon on iOS or comics from Amazon yeah. and, and Comixology? Why? Well, because iBooks, that, that's the reason. And it's the most unfair thing possible. It's like Apple can do in-app purchases because Apple's the middleman and Apple doesn't take from its cut. Amazon has to give Apple a cut and it's the middleman. So it loses almost all of its cut when it does that. The business models don't intersect. The, the result is that Apple has a huge user experience advantage with books, formerly iBooks, with books over Kindle. Uh, also, it, it hasn't worked, which is kind of funny, but I'm sure they make some money at it. But it's also degraded the whole iOS experience for people who do use Amazon's things. And like it, it it's not fair. Apple is competing in a way that the competition can't do what Apple does. Um, and Apple's argument would be, well, yeah, but it's our platform. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, you're saying about that's fairness, the risk, though. right? Fairness is a, is a good point because fairness in these kinds of things is mostly a feeling until someone makes it law, right? So at the moment, exactly. it just feels unfair. And I think the argument that I have to make, like when thinking about like the feeling of unfairness, is like who who is winning? Here? Like who who is winning here? Who does uh, Apple think is winning here? Like what is their intention? Like do they want to be this company? Like doesn't it just make everything that they do worse? Like they're a customer experience company, and yeah. they make the customer experience worse due to the choices that they continue to make. And I kind of just like, I just don't get it. Well, I think it comes down to, um, are you willing to trade some of your perception as being a good player for money? And I think where a lot of the friction happens with a lot of us when we think about these issues is that Apple seems to be willing to trade more of their perception as being a good actor, a good player in the game for money than we think they should. Mm -hmm. And we are informed, they are informed by their profits. We are also informed by their profits. We look at the amount of profit that Apple makes and say, you're playing awfully hard, hardball here for a company that is so rich. Um, the, the counter argument is that it's business, baby, maximize profits, play hardball where it comes into intersection is people's views of your company, consumers views of your company, third party developers views of your company and regulators and lawmakers perceptions of your company. And that's the part where I think they're tone deaf. That's the part where I think the, um, Apple's attitude tends to be, I don't care about those developers. They're making money on our platform. Again, off of our greatness, they're making money. And consumers love us. It's customer sat, customer sat. They don't care about this stuff. Okay, well, I agree with that to a certain extent. And then you get to the regulators and like, oh, I don't know. Like, 
tech in general is seen as a bad guy and you are not acting like a good guy and that and that there's a lot of danger there but you know that's their calculation in the end is and, and what i think a lot of us find disappointing is is i don't expect apple to say no no we're a charity now right i don't but i do look at what they do and think wait a second what are you taking risks with your your entire uh corporate identity <laughs> um for a relatively small amount of the money that you make uh, that's the part that i don't get right is mm-hmm. they are coming off as a bad guy and yep. and as like super greedy and nobody's asking them to become a charity if this was 60% of their revenue i wouldn't fight this point so much right because then it's like okay i understand why they want this money I think maybe they need to loosen it a little bit, but this is what the company's based on. This is not what the company's based on, right? Like, yeah, I know that's and that's that's what it always comes back to is yeah. I find it a strange thing to add this level of risk and to potentially anger various other parties for something that doesn't really seem core to your business. But Apple clearly thinks much more about much more you know, aggressively about this than we do. And it's a little bit baffling from our perspective. Um, But that's clearly their strategy, right? Their strategy is to do as little as possible and dare um, those regulators and those, those government officials to make it basically making money off of software platforms illegal Uh, because they, I think they figure they're never going to do it, Mm -hmm. that that's a step too far and that they're willing to go in the name of freedom to things like choice about payment systems, but maybe they're not willing to say this profit-making corporation is not allowed to charge people for this thing because that's a step uh, they may think is a step too far. The risk is that it's not a step too far and that they lose a big, a much bigger chunk of their business and are under just brutal regulation in certain markets and i'm not sure that that's what they want but they've done the risk assessment and they think it's okay this episode of upgrade is brought to you by new relic if you're a software engineer you've been here it's 9 p.m you're finally unwinding from work your phone buzzes of an alert something's broken and your mind's already racing about what could be wrong is it the back end is it the front end is it the server is it the network is it the cloud provider the list could go on and on now the whole team's scrambling from tool to tool a messaging person after person to find and fix that issue this does not happen if you get new relic new relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally buy separately so engineering teams can see across their entire software stack just one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the very line of code that's causing them so you know exactly why the problem happened and can resolve it quickly. That's why the dev and ops teams at companies like DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 others use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Whether you run a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company or anything in between, it takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. That next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen 
get New Relic before it does. And you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever, no credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash upgrade. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash upgrade. That URL one last time is newrelic.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to New Relic for their support of this show and Relay FM. Tim Higgins at the Wall Street Journal wrote an article about how iMessage is becoming a lock-in for Apple and a sales driver for iPhones, primarily amongst teenagers, because of the green bubble effect in iMessage, ultimately suggesting that there is peer pressure to get an iPhone and stay on an iPhone because of iMessage group chats. Oh, boy. (laughs) This is... Look... Look, this is a dumb story. John Gruber wrote a piece. Ter- Just a great, super yeah. good, like a classic John Gruber eviscerating takedown, uh, which there, is more entertaining to read than the original story. There are a lot of these stories. There's a lot of lazy journalism where you basically take some anecdotes and string them together and try to use it to make a point. Um, this story is really unfortunate because um, it is, you know, is it true that green bubbles get crap from blue bubbles in group texts. Probably, yes. but not like yes. consistently, right? Like, I mean, you know, it happens, sure. And I, I would actually argue that, that they, they talk about peer pressure, like you're a green bubble, get out of here. I what I have heard is that it's way worse to be a green bubble in a group text because then every emoji, every uh, tap back mm-hmm. becomes a text message there was saying, a viral did you see this oh, viral yeah. tweet around the holidays where it was just like 25 layers down of like yeah. such and such person like this like this like this because if there is a a somebody who's using sms in an iMessage thread you lose a lot of the iMessage functionality for everyone even if they are an iMessage user because it breaks the continuity of the thread yeah, exactly. So it's bad on all sides, right? Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. And I'm actually a little surprised that Google hasn't done more in Android to mediate this experience, right? They have from their side. Well, well, the message you want your SMS app on on Android to read those messages and convert them back into metadata. That's it what does. you want. You want to does it? Yeah, so I, uh they enabled this. So if you use SMS on Android, and you're working with people on iPhone, say you did a tap back, it shows up as a little thumbs up emoji for the Android uh, users. It's okay. iPhone users that still get the poor experience there. Oh uh, yeah, bad, right, because they all boomerang back. Anyway, mm-hmm. so is there a, an issue here? Sure. Um, but first off, I this is this story is is um is trying to make points that it can't back up about like teenagers. Uh, who are using iMessage groups where we know teenagers are using lots of groups. It's very US-centric because this is really only true in the US. Mm-hmm. If you look at other places where the iPhone is successful, Gruber linked all these points. If you look at other places where the iPhone is successful and people don't use iMessage, uh, people are still using the iPhone, so it's not iMessage. I think at the core of this is basically like this writer had heard some fun anecdotes and decided to formulate a theory that like, aha, it actually reminds me back in the day of like the, uh, when the iPod especially was successful and people were like, people only use Apple products because because they're in a cult or then uh, people only use Apple products because of the look because it's a status symbol. 
Like that was always the argument. And so Tim Higgins at the Wall Street Journal, I think, heard these anecdotes and said, aha, this is the reason why people buy iPhones. Like there has to be a reason. It can't be that they're good. It's that uh, it's that the status of being a blue bubble is the thing that is at the center of this. And it's mm-hmm. it's very silly because it's only in the U.S. and it's not true in other places where the iPhone is successful. So it's a thing that happens, but trying to build this narrative arc on top of uh, of this, like this would be better. And, and maybe Wall Street Journal doesn't do kinds of stories like this unless it has a business impact of some kind. But like, this is a quirky story that's like a sociological story about like, like uh, iPhones are from Mars and Androids are from Venus. It's like, why can't our text messages talk? And you could do a story like that that's about like the social issues and about the technical issues. And you could really kind of dig down and make an interesting story. This doesn't do that because this is trying to build this other narrative about how Apple is is causing bullying among teenagers because the iPhone blue bubbles are the reason you have to buy an iPhone, even though like... I know those anecdotes exist. I get it. It's just taking it for more than it's worth. And then the part that actually made me angry is that the uh, the SVP of Android... Hiroshi Lockheimer. Hiroshi Lockheimer jumped in. <laughs> Went too hard, too fast. <laughs> too, way too hard. I want hard. to read this tweet in case people oh missed it. Oh my God. It, it, I think he, he got a little carried away, maybe wished he wouldn't have done it, but like did it. And then the Android account kind of doubled down on it. But I guess if your SVP is saying it, what else are you going to do? Apple's iMessage lock-in is a documented strategy using peer pressure and bullying as a way to sell products is disingenuous for a company that has humanity and equity as a core part of its marketing. The standards exist today to fix this. Hiroshi, ma'am. Yeah. You know you went too hard because then (laughs) the next day it comes out with a much better Twitter thread about like, Uh here are the ways in which this can be better. And talking about there's a new standard called RCS. Some people like it, some people don't, but it would in theory help bridge some of this or just saying like, hey, Apple, we would like to work with you, right? And like, that's a cool thing to do because then you're like, we want to fix this, balls in their court, etc. It's a right. better way to handle it than being like, Apple's a bully, man. Like it's yeah. like, oh no, that, <laughs> too that far. First, that first tweet <laughs> not only was way too far and honestly <laughs> just makes Hiroshi Lockheimer look like a jerk. Yeah. Uh, but it also feels, actually it makes him also kind of feel like a, like a, uh, a cultist of his own where it's like he's been, was he reading the, you know, we're open uh, manifesto at that point because it was the it was the typical condescension and arrogance that I feel like Google executives involving Android had five years ago. Yeah, where it was just it was just dripping with condescension and arrogance and conspiracy theories and like the only reason they're successful is because they are bullies and we're good and we aren't bullies. Which, by the way, if you read anything about Google's advertising strategies last week, Google are super bullies and kind of shady uh, or like super shady, like it's pretty rich that these are happening kind of simultaneously. Not going to get into that, but just. You could look it up. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so Hiroshi, I think it's funny that he like super backed off of it to what I think is a reasonable argument, which is, look, the carriers have this new system and it's not as good as iMessage. It's not for a lot of different reasons, including the reason that it's locked to a phone number, which means that there are some issues involving locking to a phone. I get it. Google's point is it's better than SMS. Could we come to some agreement? Because all the users, this goes back to what we were talking about before. It's a user experience issue. 
for everyone, not just for Android users, but also for iPhone users. It's a user experience issue. You could even argue, if you're inside Apple, that making iMessage work better with Android is actually good for iMessage because otherwise a lot of these mixed groups are, and outside the US they've already done it, are going to retreat to WhatsApp or Line or WeChat or whatever. They're going to leave iMessage because the experience is so bad if they have an Android user in their group. And I would argue that that is a bigger impact than bullying a teenager because they have a green bubble is I've because I've heard this from friends of mine where it's like, oh, God, we got into this loop with the Android thing and it's such a problem. It's like it makes your iMessage bad. It makes messages bad. So I think there's an argument to be made. And Hiroshi Lockheimer eventually made it, which is maybe (laughs) Apple should support something like RCS, even though it's not great, Mm -hmm. just in order to make the experience with Android users um, better for everybody. Um, well, even like though they support SMS, right? So, like, yeah, exactly. you know, you, you should, you've got to support something. Yeah, and, and it's hard not to look at Apple's failure to support RCS as anything but kind of a spite thing, where they're like, no, lowest common denominator for Android users yeah, is what you're going to get. But, but the UX is so bad that, like, keep RCS as a green bubble. I don't care, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not iMessage. Don't give it all the features, you know? Like, you get don't a, get a new bubble. Get yeah. a new bubble color. I don't care. But I would. I think that, that it's a, a sort of a shame that Apple hasn't gotten to that just because I do think this is a UX experience problem for everybody. But I don't think that this is all like, oh, well, this explains the iPhone. It's the it's the green bubble bullying. That, that explains it. Like, come on. No, it's stupid. Give it up. Because, like, as you said, right, like, outside of the U.S., Nobody even uses iMessage. Like, I am an annoyance to everyone in my life because I don't want to use WhatsApp, right. which is what everyone in the UK uses. They use WhatsApp. By, you know, like, at least everyone I interact with, like, WhatsApp you're getting is... getting that WhatsApp bullying? Are you a victim of WhatsApp bullying, Mike? It's kind of the reverse, where... <laughs> you're a, you're, so <laughs> you're who Hiroshi Lockheimer is yeah. talking about. I am oh. the problem. Okay. Because I don't use it. Like, I'm in some WhatsApp groups... But I don't like to use them. And so I kind of, you know, I have like a bunch of family chats and stuff where the only time they ever open iMessage is because they want to talk in the family group that I'm a part of, right? And, you know, as you said, right, like Line, WeChat, Facebook Messenger, they're all popular in certain uh, countries around the world and certain locations. But then, like, for teens in the US, Instagram messaging, Discord, like... I'm these yeah. are being you they're only becoming bigger and more yeah. prevalent anyway. So like look, I'm not saying this doesn't happen, right? We started this conversation like it does happen, of course it happens. But to suggest sure. that this is the only reason people are buying iPhones doesn't make any sense. It's, it's bananas. Because it, it's like John Gruber pointed out of like in the reverse, on Android, Android messages, RCS messages are blue and SMSs are green. Right. So it's the same there too, right? <laughs> like, it's more than just this. It's one of the things, sure, but it's like a whole set of things. And so to go back to what I was saying earlier, I don't think that Apple should have to support absolutely everything or be forced to put iMessage on Android or whatever because it is part of their system of like, we've made this cool thing, you get like a bunch of features, like they should maybe adopt some newer standards to make interoperability better. I don't think they have to go the whole hog to make it like perfect for Android. I agree. And, and of course they see iMessage as tie-in. I don't think that's a bad yeah. thing, right? It's just, 
you know, they could bridge but, the gap a little bit more. And, and you know, the truth is that Apple is not in com- competition with, I mean, certainly not in competition with Google's chat things because Google have is, one. Ha- has proven to be Ars hilariously wrote an incredible article about this. Uh, yeah. I will find it for the show notes where they're it, like, Google's one to talk. <laughs> it's yeah. a really Go- good article. Google, Google is hilariously incompetent at, at, at chat. And, and, and so that's fine. Apple's competition is WhatsApp and WeChat and all the rest. Like that is iMessage's competition. And so I would argue that Apple, like WeChat or WhatsApp, controlling their platform so they can innovate which I would argue Apple's done a bad job of innovating, that they need to do a better job with iMessage. They tried the replies thing. It's not great. Like they're 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 trying, which is good. I think tapbacks is like the best thing that they've done there in a long time. It frustrates me that there are they're so limited mm-hmm. in tapbacks. I kind of feel like tapbacks should let you choose emoji and mm-hmm. use them as tapbacks and and have a little broader palette to select from than just the ones that are there. But the ones that are there are great. I love tapbacks. They're they're a lot of fun. So they've done some good innovation. iMessage, like they need to control it because it is their product and they need to be able to do it. And they don't need to open it up and they don't need to bring it to Android because it is their product. If they don't if they don't want to, it's going to hurt them in the sense that people on uh on Android are going to not want to use uh that SMS to talk to their friends. That's why I say actually opening up to RCS might help iMessage be sticky for people who are using text messages with Android people in the group instead of them abandoning it for another chat system. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is, this is, it, it, it is silly. Um, I think it is a side effect of Google having been such a failure that obviously the people at Google are really angry about the whole thing and about RCS. And the reason they're angry is because Google has never made it work. And so uh, they have this terrible uh, situation on Android right now, or you use a third party app. That's just how it is. And Apple has had some success in some markets with iMessage and that they hate that. But like in the end, for me as a user, and I would think for Apple as the platform owner, the issue should not be, are we going to give something to Android users? Because don't put iMessage on Android. It's fine. Maybe you should look at what's going on with these green bubble, blue bubble problems and the and the work that that Android is trying to do to cover some of it up and and how it affects your users and say, you know what? We could do better here and maybe implementing RCS support is uh, as a gateway for uh, talking to Android users is something that would work. Maybe not. Maybe there's some technical reasons why it would actually be a worse user experience. That's fine. But um that's the solution, right? Is how do we make a, a better experience here for all our users? Not, oh, Apple's so mean and not putting iMessage on Android and they're facilitating bullying. It's just dumb. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Doppler. Thousands of companies from startups to enterprises use Doppler to keep their secrets and app configuration in sync across devices, environments, and team members so you can say goodbye to those .env files. The scary days of sharing secrets over Slack, email, Git, and zip files are over. After adding a secret, your team and their apps have it available to them instantly. Plus, you can create references to frequently used secrets in Doppler as well. And when they need to change, you only need to update them once. Go live in minutes, not months. As your stack evolves, Doppler remains simple. Go now to Doppler.com to learn more. That's D-O-P-P-L-E-R.com to learn more. Our thanks to Doppler for their support of this show and Relay FM. 
Let's finish out today with some hashtag ask upgrade questions. Inuk asks, have either of you played around with the new version of Swift Playgrounds? I downloaded it and mm-hmm. I looked at it mm-hmm. and I haven't done more than that. This isn't really a thing that we do. I, do. I understand the significance of it, right? And I think, you know, I kind of feel like maybe we give some of this stuff a short shrift because it is a cool thing that they've added. We spoke about it at WWDC and that's not, and then it hasn't come back up again on this show because what are we going to do with it? But the idea, in case you've missed, is that Swift Playgrounds 4 is the first time that you can create an app on iOS, submit it to the App Store. Like that's right. and my understanding is it. it's a lot faster and it's people who are developers who've played with it are very impressed with it. I don't write things in Swift. Um, my focus is on other languages that I am using for scripting on my Mac mm-hmm. primarily and for shortcuts on iOS. Uh, so I, while it's interesting to me on that level, um, it's not, it, this feels, it's a little too developer-y beyond that. I did already did a lot of the Swift uh, introductions. I've been meaning to go back to that. There are little lessons and all of that because that's kind of fun. And those. I was kind of interested to see how they, how they work in the new version. But like beyond that, I would just say it's beyond the scope of us as people to to do that. But I've heard good things from developers about it. And people that are into Swift seem happy too, right? Like, and I've already seen, I'm sure you have too, like the first apps that have been made, they're shipping, like you can buy them. Like people have shipped apps now that have been purely created. I think one was called like To Don't or something. uh, Right. Is is the name of the app, which is like, uh, I'll see if I can try and find a link for that in the show notes, but it's like a list of things not to do, which is a cute, it's a cute little idea. But the the one of the reasons that it had been circulating in our community was because it was made uh, and published straight from uh, Swift Playgrounds, from Swift yeah. Playgrounds, which I think is is really cool. So it is a great thing that this exists, uh, but I don't. We don't really have much more to say about that. Nope, not at this time. Maybe. Will dream of being app developers at some point. My guess, by the way, I'll just throw it out here. The the reason that I would u- learn to use Swift is if Apple decided to create a light version of Swift that it was going to use for um for scripting apps on mm-hmm. its platforms. Because I feel like that's the that's one of the missing pieces now that they've done shortcuts is is there going to be something that's a replacement for Apple Script? Because you can't do everything with shortcuts. There are things that you really kind of need a, a scripting language to do. And what would that be? And it probably should be JavaScript, which I don't love, but it probably should be. But, you know, Apple invented Swift. So is there a Swift script essentially waiting in the wings? If something like that happens, then yeah, I will learn that portion of Swift because I'll be interested in doing things with that. But um, in terms of like fundamentals of programming, I've learned a lot of that stuff. And app development is not something I'm really interested in. So here we are. So that app to don't was written by Cephalopod Studio and they wrote an article called Lessons from Developing an, I- an App on the iPad in Swift Playgrounds from Start to Finish. So I put the link to that in the show notes as well. So if you want to read from someone who's actually done it, uh, whether you know what, what they thought of it and maybe whether you should do it, I'll put that in the show notes for you. Michael asks, if you had the option to customize your iPad home screen so that the dock is on the left or right side instead of on the bottom, would you do it? Oh, that's uh, weird. No, the answer is no, and I'll tell you why. For me, um, usually the iPad is in horizontal anyway, right? 
So like right. And so I with the iPad dock, I want to have the maximum amount of space for the tap targets in a way that is not necessary on a Mac because the screens are bigger by and large. So that's my thinking on that's why I don't really want that as such. Um I would also say no. I am a a side dock person on the Mac. Mm-hmm. But on iOS, the dock doesn't work like that. The dock is a flip up from the bottom kind of thing. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess it wouldn't matter because I don't tend to use the dock in that way. But since the dock, the home screen is oriented in the way it is, the bottom is the best place for it anyway. So, so yeah, it, it would be different if the dock was always visible or something like that, but that's not the case on the iPad. So it's a, it, it it's fine where it is. If it was, if it was a different interface, you know, like it is on the Mac, I might make a different choice. But um, as it is, uh, I, no. Otto wants to know, what is your favorite iPhone color of all time? I'm going to go, oh, well, I have a blue iPhone 13 mini mm-hmm. that I like a lot. But I am going to go with the coral iPhone XR. Interesting. Which is this orange thing. It's great. I love it. Uh, before I tell mine, I'm just going to say them. Before people say you must have forgotten oh. about this, why would you not pick it? The the actually the i the the black 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 iPhone five. Yep, would be my honorable mention because I one. loved yes. the look of that one. That was it. I was going to say graphite five S, but then that wasn't wasn't it? It was the black five S, piano black iPhone seven. Sure, etc. Nice. etc. Et we remember them all, but. Me and Jason, like, a little more excitement in our lives. More color. Uh, and mine is the current gold pro. So the the, yeah. the, the gold that they Sparkly. have had uh, in the in the iPhone 13 Pro and in the iPhone 12 Pro. It's good. Uh, there have been some good colors out there. Yeah. I, I can't believe we didn't do an iPhone color draft. Maybe, uh, maybe well, later. What you're saying is we just haven't yet done an iPhone color draft. My iPhone XR review unit was the... Uh, the the coral that coral one is amazing. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. And then I I really do like my blue iPhone 13 mini. I'm very happy with it. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's not super bright, but every time I see the blue on it and I don't use a case, I smile like ah oh, blue phone. It's my blue phone. Mm-hmm. But um but that that coral 10R was really sweet. Mm-hmm. So we remember many of the colors. We remember the special finishes. Uh, I always like the white. Uh, 3GS, that was fun. Um, sure. but Remember that white iPhone 4 that they didn't ship for seven months? Because what was it, the adhesive was going yellow or something? It was too yellow, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that was like not up to spec for Steve Jobs. But they got it out there with the Veri- launch of Verizon. <laughs> yeah, that's Man. a classic. That was Somebody was talking about that. It was like, when was the last time that Apple did, did an iPhone launch without an event? And I said, I think, I think it might be the Verizon iPhone 4. <laughs> Well, know. the SEs, though, right? They usually do or, or do they slide those into events? Maybe so. I don't know. Anyway, the, we uh, didn't forget about your favorite iPhone color. We just don't like it as much as ours. We just picked our own. You know, I was yeah. about that thing, like the, 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 the yellow iPhone 4S and the Verizon. Like, the, the amount of useless knowledge that I retain about oh, yeah. this stuff is frustrating to me when there's important things in my life that I can't remember. But I can remember 
well, which one was it? When did they announce it? Like, I can remember that stuff, but I can't remember, like, family birthdays. Hey-ho. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. If you would like to send in a question of your own, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord, which you can get access to if you sign up for Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com. You get longer ad-free uh, episodes of Upgrade every single week, access to many wonderful perks at RelayFM in my uh, personal opinion, the best is access to our members' Discord, which is an awesome community of like-minded folk. Of Upgradians. Uh, it's the Upgrade uh, uh, Upgrade Discord. Yep, that's... <laughs> if you listen to Upgrade Plus, you know why you call it that. That's uh, right. So, yeah, go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up $5 a month or $50 a year. Uh, our thanks to Doppler, New Relic, and Memberful for their support of this week's episode. If you want to find Jason online, go to sixcolors.com. Jason is at Jsnow, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Happy bank holiday to you and all the other banks. <laughs> are you a bank now? I guess you are. Uh-huh. Bank of Mike. Uh-huh.